You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, LuchaCentral.com presents Straight Out of the Bodega with King Fat Boy Papo Esco. From the wrestling world of the podcast world, it's Straight Out of the Bodega with your host, the King Fat Boy Papo Esco. Man, it's Thursday, September 10th, 2020, and you have arrived, pulled up. Welcome to another edition of Straight Out of the Bodega. I am your master of ceremonies, the bully from the bodega, the lucha thug, the one-man lucha gang, El Rey Gordo himself, the king fat boy Papoesco. And as always, man, we finna take you on this ride. A ride through the blocks, back alleys, and street corners of the bodega. We gonna give you everything you need that's pro wrestling and entertainment. I'm ready. Look, I hope you're ready. So take a seat, pour up your favorite drink, and let's ride. What is going on, everybody? If you're listening to this, if you're hearing my voice right now, welcome. To another edition of Straight Out of the Bodega. I am your master of ceremonies, the King Fat Boy Papa Wesco. And from last Thursday to this Thursday, I hope you're living your best life. I hope you had a great week. I hope everything is going right for you. And even if it didn't go right for you at some point, I hope you're back on track and I hope you're still in a positive state. Me, I am. You know, I'm being, I'm, I'm in a very positive mood. I'm happy. You know, you have your trials and your tribulations throughout the week and your ups and downs throughout several weeks, but you always find a way to get right back to what we need to do and be. And that's just positive and happy, man. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm happy. Even though it's a uh, groundhog day every day, man. You know, I mean, every, every day it's the same, you know, just, just, Thinking about what I've been dealing with every single day for the past week. Let's see. Pandemic, California fires, the presidency and all the corruption and bad stuff that surrounded politics, the upcoming vote. You know, it, it's it's all an everyday conversation. And, and that's why to me it feels like Groundhog Day. But I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to get right into the meat and potatoes of what we do. I want to get right to the show. So we're going to get right into that. You know what I mean? Because one of the things I like about what we do here at Straight Out of the Bodega is the interviews. I mean, I like the interviews that we provide to you week after week, whether it is a name that you recognize or a name that you don't recognize. At the end of it all, we hope the conversations that we have will make you a bigger fan of the people that you know about and will make you check out and get to know the people that you don't. And this week is no different. Pulling up to the podcast is Southern California resident, independent pro wrestler who's been ripping and running throughout the West Coast, working for places like Pro Wrestling Revolution, working for places like Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and the list goes on and on. I'm talking about my guy, Rico Dinamita. He's going to pull up to the podcast for a great discussion. I cannot wait for you to hear it. But before we go there, we need to take you to the Golden Voice. The first lady of the Lucha Central Podcast Network. I'm talking about Denise Salcedo and Lucha Central Central. 
Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of luchacentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass Mats and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. And once again, it's interview time. Welcome back to another edition of Straight Out of the Bodega. I am your master of ceremonies, the king, fat boy, Papa Wesco. And before we get into our guest, I always got to do this because I feel it's a good time. I have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. I want to introduce my co-host, owner and operator of Pro Wrestling Revolution, mm. owner and operator of Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy, <sighs> owner and operator of the face covers that are sweeping the nation, www.lucha-mask.com. I'm talking about my guy, Gabriel Ramirez. What's going on, man? Papo. What's up, brother? How are you? How are you keeping... Uh... Keeping it cool in this 106 degree weather, man. What's Dude, up? What? I I don't I don't like it. I I don't like it. And I'm tropical. I'm Puerto Rican, man. I'm supposed to like the the hot weather, but I just I I would rather I'm a polar bear, man. Dude, this I'd is, rather uh, be in the cold. <laughs> this is Fresno, Sacramento weather. Keep that shit up. It there, really man. is. It, it really give, is. Give me my 85, and I'm good. And I'll throw up the AC to 60, but 106. Dude, I feel like listening to KML, man. What's up, dude? Turn that stuff down. <laughs> I hear you. Remember, it's like hot 97.7s making it's, it come back. Yeah, yeah, that's still too hot, hot, bro. I, I want to go like, to the college stations, like 81.1 uh, or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> as always, Gabe, and I know you like to hear this, we got a great show for for you today. It's dope. Well, I, I tell that's you what, the, man. If, if, yeah. if you have another SoCal guy on here with no energy, no phone minutes, we're going to have to just put a uh, error code block anything out of, like, San Jose, bro, because these guests you have are just, you we're, know. 
we, we're know, gonna man. we're you know you have your ups and your downs you know we're, we're taking them on a roller coaster you know sometimes you I have peaks that. and valleys okay all right all right you know hopefully this one's gonna be a peak so all right. today on the show we have a southern california professional wrestler slash luchador excuse me it's fumbling over my words uh he's been ripping and running throughout the area for a long time man i, I feel like he's one of the one of the bright spots in, in in our area and i hope that a lot more people all around the world get to see him before he's done i'm talking about my boy my guy rico dinamita what's going oh. on brother? Fuck. what's up guys oh man Nothing, yeah. hey, you guys are right it is hot up in here and you know what i got my one and a half year old in the house so I had to come in the garage and sit here in this cave to do uh, the interview, but it's all good. I'm already sweating. All right, but before we get started, man, we're going to go ahead and ask you to take the mic out of your mouth so we can uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we don't so we can hear you a little bit better, brother, because you're a little too excited. Um, but no, man, I'm I'm stoked. You got the guy, the guy uh -huh. that Southern California shares the car with. Because if Rico's not booked on that show, they can't make it. So at least ah. you got the guy who is responsible for getting talent from Southern California up to NoCal. Oh, I like hey, it. I like well. it. <laughs> so how well, my fault that they don't drive or they don't have a car <laughs> or a license? Hey, man. hey, you gotta, you gotta. You're in the business. You gotta at least have a license. You gotta at least, <laughs> man. You know how the first two years I used to rent a car to go up there. I had a car, but my car was kind of old. But I had to rent a car and still made it happen. Dude, I tell you no, what, man, though, man. Papa, before we even get going, I, I got to tell you this story because it's so true. Rico yeah. used to bring all the boys, right? Um, and there happened to be one show that Rico just could not make. He had an issue with uh, uh, scheduling and so on. So, yeah, bro, don't worry about it. Bro. We'll, we'll make it work. And all of a sudden, I get phone calls like the night before. Hey, brother, I didn't know Rico wasn't booked. I, I don't know how we're going to get up there. And it was like half, the, half the roster. And I called Rico, and I was like, bro, like – what the hell? And he's like, oh, man. So Rico, even though Rico did not make the show, he still had to do everything for every individual on that show just to get there. That is crazy. That, hey, you, you know, know what? I, I'll tell you, you what. You want to know what I did, though? What's up? <laughs> What'd you do? What'd you do? They had to bomb my car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell no. They had to bomb my car. I, I, I kid you not. I had one of them drop me off at drop me off at work. <laughs> Golly, no, 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 no. I lie, I lie. I don't. I didn't work Saturdays. I used. To, I was working on Sunday that day. Right. So right. I I had them pick me up in the morning the next day at work. Yeah. To from my house on the way back from the show. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, whatever. So I was on my car. I'll tell you what, man, that, that, it, it trips me out when I hear things like that, because I mean, look, I, I know a lot of guys that, that listen to this will probably think I'm attacking them or something like that, but I really don't give a shit, man. Honestly, dude, it's when you, when you don't have a vehicle, like to get to these shows, it's not you trying to fucking work and, 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 and work somebody just to get in their car. You just are not on your grown man shit. Get you a fucking car. <laughs> get you a car and you can get around. And you know? on, on that and same show. It's crazy. On this same show, I'm not even going to tell you the wrestler's name, Jose. And uh, he uh, <laughs> <laughs> he shows up in his car because he didn't want to drive with nobody else, so he shows up by himself, Jose. And um, he gives us a receipt for his car, right? It was like $500 in gas. And we're like, what the hell? 
500, what are you talking about? He's, oh, I have a special vehicle with special gas requirements. And I was like, oh, bro, I'm going to match you what I match everybody else's gas from that area. Here's zero. 60, here's 60 bucks, bro. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, he wasn't, he wasn't happy, Jose. You know what I mean? So it was good times. Yeah. Good I, still, time. I talk to him all the time, Jose. <laughs> Oh, he's cool. He's a little, he's Shout in, out to he's, Jose. He's in his Shout own thing, Jose. but he's cool, cool guy. But yeah, man, that's a, I never understood how guys. I mean, I understand if you don't have a car, but like mine was last minute where I, I don't remember what happened that I couldn't make it. I think I hurt my shoulder or something. Ah, honestly, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I I feel like you need a car every. It's a yeah. you know, especially yeah, if you're absolutely. trying to get booked. Out of the hundred miles away, yeah, like exactly. You know, can't always Uber to everything. <laughs> Especially people try. <laughs> I tell you that right now, people try. Well, I Rico, hey man, Uber back then. <laughs> That's hey, true. Rico, Rico, man, I'm I'm glad you're on the show, man. You you bring a lot of wealth and a lot of knowledge to our area and it, it, the world of professional wrestling in general. I can't wait to get into everything, man. Um, I wanted to get started, you know, because I feel like on this show and the reason why I use this this uh, formula all the time is like this. This is a show where you get to come on. You get to get yourself over, man. You get to tell your story and really get people interested in going on YouTube or actually tuning into something that you're doing and going to check you out uh, as a worker. So I wanted to get started with how you got started in professional wrestling. What Was it Lucha that you started out as? Was it a American-style professional wrestling? Where did you start training? And uh, what what really, um, what was that process like? I started in pro wrestling. Okay. Uh, I do, my first earliest memory of watching wrestling, though, was Lucha Libre, though. My dad used to watch AAA and, like, early early triple a like i watched lucha before i watched like wwe i watched like el dandy i like the early the beginnings of like triple a was like octagon fuerza guerrera people like that I've, uh, you know emilio chavez yeah I that's the, the triple a boom right that's the first initial start yeah conan like the beginning the beginning of perro Aguayo, yeah. like like those feuds like eddie and and uh, Love Machine against uh, Santo, who was it? Uh, Santo, Santo Octagon, yeah. and Octagon, yeah. Oh, that's one yeah. from that era. Then I started watching WWE, and like maybe like maybe around the same time. But anyway, yeah, I went to uh, XPW, man. Very, uh, yeah, I went to XPW Asylum in LA. Very popular at the time. Maybe not so popular with other feds, but yeah, that's where I went. XPW, run by Rob Black, the king of a. Uh, extreme porno as well so xpw actually had a training facility i, I forgot um I, now it comes back to me because at uh, one point in time when i was in apw donovan morgan was the head trainer at the XPW uh, uh, asylum for about a week. I was going to ask. He was there for a week, and then uh, <laughs> they didn't get along, and he came right back. So I remember we had a big farewell for Donovan, and uh, yeah, you're going to be missed, da, da, da. and then he was back a week later. Fuck He was place. like, fuck that, I'm coming oh, back. He, did, that. he didn't like it. He, it <laughs> was what, just, what year uh, was that, you know? Uh, it was the very initial beginnings of the asylum. 
Because uh, I, I started training in 2001, literally right after high school. That's right. In the before, summer of 2001. It was right before the um, King of Indies 2001. So I think it might have been in 2000. So who, was you, who were your trainers? Uh, I was trained by, uh, rest in peace, uh, Mr. Dynamite 80s, Dynamite D, Darren. Yes. And then I was trained by Chaos. And by uh, the hardcore homo Angel, he goes by uh, he wrestles for a room now. He's the, one of the dirty Sanchez. He's he's one of the best minds I've I've ever worked with. He used to run LCW. Like I just feel like he's one of the greater like storyline guys. And Angel, kinda, yes, and like a promo guy. I've like heard I, that before many times. I've never had the opportunity to work with him, but that's not the first time I hear that. Like I honestly feel like he brought out. A lot of shit in me that I didn't know, like like just promo wise, just to see shit different. Because I was kind of like, especially when I was like in my late twenties, like 2010, 2011, you know, when I really wanted to fucking make it to WWE, and I was all sauced up, fuck, no bullshit steroids, whatever, you know. I was like, fuck, I need to get this shit done. Just like Papa, like, I do. just like Papa, just like me. Yeah, I'm all, all sauced right. up, man. All hot up. sauce, ranch, hot sauce. You know what I'm saying? Chipotle. I was very like, very like, no, this story has to be like this. We got to do this. We got to do this. And he would slow everything yeah. down for me, like, because we would run on the monthly. So it's like, we're going to get here. We're going to get here. We're going to get here. Then we're going to get there. But it's going to be a process. And I think it was great because it made every character there better, in my opinion, because it was an ongoing story. So I, I remember, dude, I remember SPW. I used to be a big fan of SPW. Rest in peace, like Supreme and Homeless Jimmy was my guy back in the day. So, you know, um, what what was... I don't know, what, man. What, I was an ECW guy. Fuck that. I was an ECW guy, too. I, <laughs> dude, I was just a wrestling nerd, bro. Like, I watched anything and everything I could get my hands on. You know how hard it was to get, like, wrestling back in those days. You know, you had to try to look for tapes and all kinds of crap like that. So, dude, I, I, I tried to get my hands on everything. Well, when I got my hands on XPW... Man, that was it was pretty dope. So I, I like you know, it. A XPW lot. was starting out, um, and then you also had a UPW. What yeah, uh, UPW. did you choose XPW over UPW back then for any particular reason? Because there wasn't that many schools, and we always have the same conversation when it comes to Southern California. This never really been, you know, established schools. Obviously, uh that's changed up in the present, up up until this COVID. But there really hasn't been schools, you know. You might find some that uh come across the flea market with Martin Marin. But, you know, you got UPW, they had a huge uh, developmental, per se, to go in with uh, WWE. And then you had XPW that was brand new. What what brought you there over anybody else? Honestly, like, I didn't ever, I, I watched, like, UPW, like, I don't know. I might have seen something online, but I didn't know any of the wrestlers that I didn't know. Like, it just looked really cheap. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> But like, I don't know, just different of, of, of what is it, uh, lighting and just the production, I guess. But uh, no, but in all seriousness, I would go watch uh, XPW shows when I was in high school. And uh, I really, really, really enjoyed watching Hoovy and Joey Chaos and Dynamite D and like the pure wrestlers. I enjoyed death matches to a certain extent, but I didn't want. Everyone to have death matches, but I, I mean, but I was more of a wrestling. So I just really, really just enjoyed watching Angel Chaos, um, Dynamite D. I, yeah, I used to like when Shane Douglas used to come and do the shows, guys like that. So it was just kind of like, I guess it was a it thing for LA, if you ask me. 
But overall, so is, uh, overall, honestly, would have gone anywhere. But you went, you went to XPW, and let me ask you this: you know, I, I, for me, you know, when I started training, it was Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy, right? So when I, you know, when I was going through the motions, I knew, you know, according to Gabe and just my own thought process, just having common sense. All right, well, Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy. I have to debut for Pro Wrestling Revolution, right? I can't go anywhere else. It's Pro Wrestling Revolution, and that's it. And then once Gabe puts his stamp on me, I can go elsewhere. But was that the same for you? Did you start with XPW training and then with debut. the intention of, of debuting oh, at XPW? Well, I could have... Ne no, it closed down before we even... Um, like, I finished... My, I wasn't trained. I trained for over a year, like a year and like three, four months. Even more than that, I believe, but they closed shop before we would have ever debuted it. But I had already wrestled. They didn't want us to wrestle anywhere else, to be honest. But, like, we weren't going to debut there. It was going to be very rare and very hard for someone that was, for some of us to debut there because look at the guys that they had in reality in that time, in the early 2000s, 2001, 2002, right? They had guys like, like I said, all like Hoovy. They would bring a, a, who, uh, well, they say uh, Vic Grimes, uh, Terry Funk. Like, do you think they're gonna have some student just debut like that? One of those guys, maybe in a school. You hope match, so. But... You hope so because that's the whole idea. Of what yeah. you have a, a school for? And yeah, so that's what they would tell us. Yeah, but... but see, any school that does that and doesn't display their talent out is just taking your money for a ride. All that we're doing is having you do a ring crew and do all the grunt work and not want to follow through with anything else. And I'm not just saying for Ace, but that's, that's for anyone that that has a school, quote-unquote, academy, uh, a respectful one to, to start off with, and they don't have the talent. So if you guys went there training, you went there to train with the hope that you're eventually going to wrestle for XP. Oh, yeah, there, definitely. You know? So that definitely sucks. I mean, if it shut down, it shut down. But um, it, that, that, that should be for anyone that started out to be a wrestler. If you're going to go somewhere that has a school and they have great shows, that's why they're going there because they eventually want to be on those shows. Yes, yes, that, that is facts. Well, yeah, like That's in my fine. mind, when I when I was when it's been there for a while, and I was like, "Well, fuck, who who could I even ever wrestle?" It'd be like you know some sort of battle royal or something, whatever, just to start off. Right. I, I want to say that me personally, I felt that I was good enough that I probably would have gotten something going. Maybe not something big, big right off the bat, or even ever, but get my foot in the door through there because I like, and there wasn't honestly like. A lot of guys fucking suck, man. Like <laughs> that that went and go training there. I'm gonna be quite honest. Like I'm not even gonna do so. A lot of guys that that, that went there that were horrible. Like who? Just, like just a lot of guys. Let me see. Like guys that just never made it. Let me see. Like, what about the ones that made it? That still suck. Like, what do you think? Well, I wouldn't say they 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 suck. <sighs> but it was just I felt like for the. The way that the how, how can I explain? How can I can put it into words? I feel like the way that the company was, right? They looked really big. Yeah. I would feel like their students would be better. And they had nothing to do. It just had to do with the person. Let me tell you a story. All right. So one time we were at training, right, with Mr. California. Oh, my God. So, okay. So, Dynamite D, we were working the knee, right? Working the left knee. And, and it was nothing. And stabbed the knee over and over. It was nothing. Ate the knee. <laughs> it was nothing out of the ordinary. He just wanted us to sell the knee. Walk. Like, you're limping. Like, you know, you're selling your knee. And he was fucking selling the opposite knee. He was selling the right knee. Right? 
He'd be like, he was on the, the right knee. He's like, you're showing the wrong knee. You're showing the wrong knee. And he kept doing it, kept doing it until he grabbed him. He'd put him down in some sort of lock, leg lock. And he pulled his knee pad down for his left knee. And he started punching his knee. Started punching it and punching it. And he's like, you're not even old enough to be a mister. So you got to learn how to sell the right knee. And I just, you know, that was hilarious. Yeah, especially since you're working the left knee and <laughs> like to me it was like he pulled That's his ridiculous. knee pad down. He pulled his knee pad down and punched his left knee and he's like, You're not well, even you know what? Mister. That that guy is responsible for the to, to to what happened to that poor kid. That's why he started doing hardcore wrestling because he didn't know how to wrestle, so he went to do that. So he's responsible for that garbage. No, no, no. No, my mother my lady always wanted to be uh um uh, a deathmatch guy. Ugh. So hey, Rico, when when did you actually debut? When was your first match, and who was it against? Now, and, and before you answer that, I know, I know, like first matches, bro, like they suck. The suck, the suckiest yeah. fucking match you can ever have. Pop, like, you so, wasn't that bad. Come on. Come. Well, no, mine was humbling. I'll tell you what, Rico, hey, Rico, mine mine was humbling because I'll tell you what, Gabe would tell me like little things, like man. You, you're a natural man. You got it, man. And I, like, I know that for me, my head wasn't getting big because I'm not like that, right? But I know for 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 him, his way of thinking. Now that I know him the way I know him now, he probably thought that I was gonna get a big head or I was gonna start thinking. Yeah. So I knew he was gonna humble me fast. And what he do? You're losing to the smallest guy. You're gonna. <laughs> You're going to wrestle the smallest dude and you're going to lose. And you're not just going to lose like uh, like by disqualification or anything. He's going to give you his finish and you're going to get a one, two, three, and that's going to be it. So, you know, I, I appreciate that because I know now that that was a humbling, you know, that that was a humble moment, you know, just to say, hey, motherfucker, you know, you, no matter how you know big you, you get or you think you get, Someone is always going to be there to bring you down a yep. couple notches, and and for me, that aside, fuck, dude. First matches are always that humbling experience because when you go back and you fucking watch it, it it, it you get embarrassed almost because of how sucky it was. Was that your was, was your <laughs> first match the case? And and who was it against? Hey, let me ask you this though: Was did you debut yeah. at one of the big shows or like a like a flea market show? No, no sir. Uh, he he debuted at our first pay per view event. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I did. Well, I, I remember I would hear about Papo before before he debuted. Jose would tell me all the time, like, "Oh, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be good." And I'd be like, "Well, who is he?" I think I saw a picture of him. I was like, "Him?" Because oh, I used to promote Papo doing promos and at the academy because I knew that that he was a uh, uh, something different. And I actually told Papo, and I've said this before, if Papo would have came to me training ten years ago, I think he, yeah he would have been a throwback and we'd have made money. Because uh, it's very rare to get a guy that size with microphone skills. Not in the era where everyone talks about the steroid era and that being over. Ah, bullshit. If you look at it now, it's still a steroid era. You know what I mean? It's they're always going to be. They're always going to be a steroid era. You know, but Popo is a complete throwback to a Bam Bam, uh, to a one-man gang. and and But the thing that Popo has over a lot of those guys, he could, he could talk and he had that feel and you know, and I thought it was awesome. So I was promoting him as watch out for this kid, watch out for this kid. Yeah, but he debuted um, on the pay-per-view. Um, they were the opening yeah. match, him versus Simon Cross, another student that had the ability, but just uh, life-wise, it wasn't something he wanted to do as much as other things. But um, 
you know, he did well. And you're right, because for the most part, I do start off my kids like an, a festival or really small show just to get their feet wet, you know. But uh, I felt that these two, they, they had the age, you know, they were age appropriate to understand common sense. And they had a fun match. They had a fun yeah, match. Pretty cool. So, Rico, who'd you, yeah, who'd you work? Oh, well, let me tell you. Going back to Mr. I Saw the Wrong Knee. Uh-huh. Uh, that's why I wear my first match ever. Like, I don't like to claim that to be my first match. Was it a scaffold match on fire? No, no. It, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was Little Cholo Bookfuss at the Anaheim Marketplace oh, my in 2001. God. Right? And then we were still in XPW, so we had to do it super low-key because we'd get in trouble if we, had to, if we wrestled anywhere else. You know, especially because we were only like... Well, I was probably like eight months into my training, but I was pretty... Not, I mean, not... I was able to do a match, you know, obviously not like in the level of, of a pro, all perfect, but I was able to anyway. So, uh, we went, we got there, didn't get paid, obviously, whatever, it wasn't a big deal, I, I could care less. It was it was a good amount of people, it was probably like 100 people, to be honest. Wait, wait, in- wait, wait, so 100 people is a good amount of people? I mean, for, for that era, for that company, yes. <laughs> Yeah, bro, I, I I was spoiled. Come on, Gabriel, you're I, you're up in yeah, a in a place yeah. where thousands of people. That's why I feel like a superstar over there. What do you think of like going over there? <laughs> and that that's what that that's what was so nerve wracking about it is because like my my debut match, dude. Uh, you know, you ex- like I I already knew what independent wrestling was, so like I I expected you know. 20, 20, 30, you know, people, <laughs> 50 people, whatever. Yeah. Fucking what? What was it, like 900, 1,000 people? Yeah, it was O'Connell, like so you had... Time, dude. Yeah, it was O'Connell, <laughs> so it was sold out. And Nuts. It was a good, good, good crowd, man. Fuck, oh, well, yeah, the first good. time I went up to, to Gaze, it was in Watsonville. Yeah. And well, seriously, I was with Famous B, and the whole time I was like, fuck, bro, what did Kevin get us on? Because <laughs> like, Kevin had taken us, we had done other stuff with Clown Rock, you know, like in Vegas and whatever, but I've never really wrestled in NorCal before that, ever. Maybe like in Fresno, but I just can't remember. Right. And this was oh, like that's, 2000. That's, and that's, that's not even NorCal, it's like. That's so, NorCal. And, yeah, right? And it was like in no, 2010 in the summer, so right. we were getting to the Watsonville Fairgrounds, and I was like, fuck it, they plant, they plant shit out here, like there's no people here. Like, I was like, there's going to be no people. It's worse than L.A. Plus, beat and then we go out. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, Kevin Kleinrock was the one that brought you over to. Yeah, uh, Kevin um, Kevin had a, uh, in, his, in his early startings on his side, because Master Republic has like two different areas. Like you have Ruben with the events and so on. And then Kevin does like um, developmental of talent right. and and he would bring people together. So uh, Revolution and Santino Brothers were under his wing. And so he hit me up and he goes, hey, man, uh, you have any interest in, in some talent? And I was like, not really. I said, I'm pretty comfortable. I said, what do you got? And he showed me pictures. And off the bat, like Rico had the look I was looking for. And I said, what's his name? He's a uh, Rico. Uh, what was it? They called him Rico Dynamite. And I said, well, fuck that. I'm, t- I'm calling him El Dinamita. He's in. And they showed me uh, Famous B. And Famous B was much thinner back then. You know, he had a different look. And I was like, oh, dude, this this guy's talented. He had a dropkick was, you know, next to Adam Thornstone, man. He was one of the best dropkicks that I saw in our area. And so let's bring him on. And holy shit, I tell you what, like, 
it was only a, a trial to see what happens. And they were humble, talented, hungry. You know what I mean? And I didn't know Rico was renting a car anyways. It was like months and months and months later, he told me, hey, brother, um, man, I rented my car and I rented a car and like this is how much it cost. And so we paid him for his car rental and his gas. And his eyes were like, huh, what? You're, you're paying for the gas and the car rental? I was no. like, yeah, well, you brought people with you, right? Is that cool? Or do you need more? I'm like, I think what you have is fair. He's like, no, no, no. This is good. And, you know, and, and it just developed. You know, Rico uh, turned into Dinamita and eventually tagged with Cafu and was one of my tag champions. And I'll tell you what, though. True story. Before the movie came out or anything, I wanted to turn uh, Famous B into Black Panther. And we had, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, we actually had a gimmick drawn up and stuff for him before the movie came out. And it was going to be based off, obviously, the comic book. And it was, we were going to call him something, just not Black Panther. And remember, we had a show at the fairgrounds. We had like 3,000 people, um, an outdoor show for the fair. It was just super packed. And I told her in front of the locker room, I said, damn, B, I was like, you're making it hard for me to, um, to, to change you, like, he was I remember such, that. such a great heel. It was impossible for me to put a hood on him. Cause he I had, actually remember that, dude. Yeah. I remember you telling I was right there. You're yeah. like, you're making it really hard for me to want to change your gimmick. Yeah. yeah. I don't was, remember exactly how you said it, but something yeah. that, that. It was incredible. We had a packed house, and the fair was like, it, these fairs had like shows pop up where we had to finish exactly on the on the minute, and we killed oh, wow. it, and it was just great. And, and then just B had this persona, you know, an aura about him being a heel. And I told him from the locker room, I said, man, great crowd, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, man, these kids are killing it, man. I, I, I buried my kids in my academy and told them, you're letting people from other schools come in and take in your spots. And yeah, Rico yeah, yeah. has a spot. And then eventually he brought in Ray Rosas. And then Ray Rosas came on board. And, uh, and that, that was – I think that was Zeta, the three, because the rest, um, well, like uh, Willie Mack and stuff, came from uh, Dave Marquez and so on. But that, that was pretty much the three that uh, – Clan Rock was, you know, definitely pushing yeah. for me to use. But yeah, I think when you guys first started out there, I hit you up on MySpace. I said no. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. No, no, I didn't get it. I didn't get a reply. To be quite honest, that's your answer. So no flyer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's no. I thought flyer. Yeah. And I think it was uh, like Ray Mysterio, Ejo Ray Mysterio. It just was a really good looking flyer, and I was like, fuck. I was like, fuck. I can get on that. I can try to get on that. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I can base, I can do all kinds of shit. And I was like, maybe like 2007, and I looked pretty good. And I remember I was like, hey, you know, whatever, whatever you said, you know, I'm ready to, to come work, help out, do whatever it is. And then I got no reply, <laughs> which is whatever, you know, I was expecting a reply, but, you know, you got to try. Right. So, fuck it, you got to try and try. I, I got in yep. years later through Cat. Through Kevin, but yeah. you know, they would get in. And Kevin, you know, uh, Kevin has done a lot for me. I've known him since XPW. He was, he he did a lot of work for XPW. God bless his his hard yeah, work over was, there. He was on he was on the the podcast like well, I think like second and third episode I believe, and we talked extensively about XPW and his time there. Hey, I want to get into um, pro wrestling revolution, and I think you teaming with Kafu is definitely of interest, and I think there's a lot of good stories there, especially being tag team champ. I mean, Gabe. I, I find it very hard to believe that Gabe would actually put his titles on anyone unless they felt they were very deserving of it. So I want to get into that. Before we do, though, you mentioned Kevin Kleinrock, and Gabe mentioned how at the time uh, Santino Brothers and Pro Wrestling Revolution were under his umbrella. I, I want to get into Santino Brothers for a quick 
second. Um, did, did you start training there as well, or was that? I've never understood Santino Brothers in terms of the differential, the difference between training academy and actual like shows. Because I don't, I don't know them to put on shows. Were you? What, what was the right. dynamic there? All right, here we go. I'm gonna try to make it as short as possible. All right. So, when I bought my house in the city of Norwalk in 2007, mm-hmm. me and my roommate. He used to run a, a indie show here in LA called Hybrid Pro Wrestling. Oh, that was your roommate? Huh? That was your roommate? Hybrid Pro Wrestling? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, he's my friend from high school. We went to wrestling school together. His name is Johnny Suarez. Yeah. Uh, so he had a ring before we even bought the house. He'd been running shows. And we bought the house and we put the ring in our backyard. We didn't really use it. I mean, I would go in there and roll and just could, but I mean, I wouldn't officially like train. But, uh, so then at one of our hybrid shows, some guys asked us, oh, you know where we can train? So we're like, oh, we have a ring. So I had like four or five guys that started training in 2007, late 2007, um, at my house. And then I got to a point where like, I was able to train guys, but I wasn't a trainer, like. I can consider myself a trainer now, but back then it was like like the rest of like do anything, <laughs> but I can't psychologically prepare you. Does that that's make sense? Like, that's like the rest of the schools. Ninety nine percent of the schools out in the world right now, they really can train you, but they don't really have a trainer. <laughs> yeah, but see, but me, me, me knowing that I wasn't gonna be like, well, fuck, just go out there and wrestle. Right? You no, know, I called, I called Chaos. Because he helped train me at XPW. And him and his partner, Mongo, were the Santino Brothers tag team. Right. So I brought them two. And they brought an angel, Parker Homo Angel. And then they came and trained for a couple of weeks with the guys. I pretty much told them, hey, guys, I can't. Like, I can train them, but I can't train them. I want you guys to help me mold them. I mean, I don't know what, what to do, you know, psychologically doing things. So... We like we had a meeting and they told us they wanted to turn to school and we turned it into school in now, my backyard. Now remember Santino advertising a long time that they had a school and they had like a blue tarp over the uh, area. Was that your house in the backyard? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that was my house. My house. I got it. Okay, very cool. Oh, wow. So it started okay. there. We were there for two years and in 2010 they moved it to a building because your neighbors got pissed right and said get the fuck out of here <laughs> right after after all these years yeah. no the fucking city came and they saw the structure so, uh, or the they call it a structure your neighbors your neighbors yeah pretty much yeah but uh so, but that's how it started how- that's how the santino brothers school started it was mostly a school and then we ran a couple of shows but you know it's really hard out in l.a like, I'm going to feel like they got dealt a bad hand recently because I did a show for them in January, my first show back. Well, last, like last, maybe last uh, summer, they were having more people, more people, more people show because they're a really big school now out here and really popular. So uh, the last time I was there, we were at a building and there were like almost like 500 people. And for LA, I, for Indy, other than PWG or whatever, I think that a really really good amount so they i think if we were going to run there in march but the pandemic happened and i feel like it slowed their momentum now they had just picked up with having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people because we were getting a lot of pre-sale tickets so it took them a long time to get to like a level where 
they can draw three, four hundred people instead of like 150. Right. But the school itself is it's been really strong for like ten years. For sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, it sucks that they uh, that they had to close their doors because of the pandemic. Because I mean, I feel like you know, and again, I, I don't know shit. So like, you know, I, I don't I don't want to claim like I know, but I felt like they were just getting their stride, you know, because they had just what. Brody King went to ROH, and then Bate, uh, uh, Bateman, Bateman went to ROH, and, and then, then Atlas um, went to WWE. Atlas went to WWE, you know, and so like they were just, you know, I felt like they could have capitalized on that. So it was kind of yeah. it was kind of sucky that they, you know, hopefully they come back and they come back stronger than ever, man. Shout out to, shout out to Santino Brothers. So let let's talk about um, pro wrestling revolution for a little bit. I know you just talked about how you got started. You know, I want to I want to talk about your time in the tag team with um, Kafu, with with Kafu, man. Now, for me, you know, I I don't, I, bro, I I, I don't fear I don't fear nobody, but Kafu makes me a little nervous. <laughs> so he's, he's you know, a big dude. I, yeah. I, how was it? How was it teaming with him? And and you know, what was it like when I mean. You, you got to talk to me about what you felt when Gabe said, hey, we're going to put the straps on you because, right. I mean, I would think that if I was you, I would think, okay, the only reason why I'm in this is because is I'm in a tag team with Kafu, but that's not the case. Gabe looks at everything with a fine-tooth comb. I mean, the OCD on this man is crazy. <laughs> so when he puts something on you, he, trust me, he believes in you. So right. I, go well, ahead and what, talk to me about that. With that, I want to just start off with, Going a little bit before that, as in, because I had never been a baby face in, in like, <laughs> in like so many years, like ever since I became like Ronchi Rico, you know, Ron, and, and, and in like 2008, 2007 or whatever, yeah, I'd been a heel, like just a, a heel, did, did a couple fancy moves, but was it like a old, like a 90s heel pretty much. And then when right. Gabriel wanted me to be a baby face and dance, I was like, what the fuck? I, like, I don't even dance in real life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not dance, but like the the gimmick that he wanted was like he had a not a was, stripper, but like he was a Latin explosion, el dinamita. So I was like, "Fuck, I can't even dance. I don't know how to dance." But anyway, I felt so uncomfortable the first time I went out there and I danced. But, but the over. fans made it yeah. really comfortable. Yeah, yeah, because over. they yeah. accepted it. Like I want to say they accepted the music. <laughs> the theme song before they ever accepted me because I think that just got him into it but then when they actually kind of saw me and I was young and you know tan and pretty fit like you know they accepted me and I started getting into the groove of being a baby face and I was only baby face for Gabe forever forever and still pretty much oh no no now my heel no but no no for no. that long run yeah um, but no, honestly, Kafu kind of scared me too because he's kind of quiet. You got to kind of get to know him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a really, really nice guy. Very helpful. I enjoyed my time with him. Yeah. Uh, it was so, the dynamic was good because I feel like he was a, it was kind of like an old school kind of team. Like he's a powerhouse and I'm the smaller guy that could do more stuff, even though I'm not that athletic. Like I could just make it seem like it was, I guess. And, um, we had like no tag team moves. It was so no. weird. It was like, like but, it, it was psychology on your guys' end. It was more psychology. Kafu, uh, 
Kafu was a ring general. He was fresh off FCW uh, before they became NXT. So he had all the mindset of how to keep it simple, 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 but yeah. but over. And I learned a lot from Kafu when he came back. And, I, you know, it, it definitely, you know, helped me, you know, change bookings and mindset. So when he had Rico with him, definitely I knew he could do something with Rico, um, guiding him in the ring. Because even though Rico was young in uh, ring time, he wasn't young in age. He was smart enough to understand. And Kafu is very passive aggressive. You'd never know um, when he's being legit or when he's being kind of like just kidding. And then next thing you know, he's fucking in your face, you know, <laughs> breaking shit. So, you know, he had a way of uh, guiding this guy. And they, they got over a good tag team and, uh, you know, even got to a point where I chose to have him and Kafu work um, Blue Demon and Mil Mascaras in a tag match. Wow. Oh. And wow. going back to that, I do remember when we won the belts, the, the tag title. Yeah. Cause it was a day. Was be- it was a day before I was gonna have a tryout for WWE. That's and why I did it. I wanted you to make sure uh, that if you got uh, signed, right? <laughs> I had my belt. <laughs> you were gonna no, show and, up uh, on WWE <laughs> No, like I, I had no idea. You know, I, I always thought of like I loved going to the, to the matches over there in NorCal for PWR because the fans. It was just so packed, and I felt like. You know how you say you feel larger than life? I felt like I was not the star of the show, but you're the star of the show when you're out in the ring. So I felt like I got this shit. So, like, yeah. and we had a lot of momentum. Like, obviously, Kafu, and then I just, like, it was just a good mix. And when, when we won the belt, I, I kid you not, like, I went backstage and I told Ray. And I was like, uh, fuck, that's, like, the best feeling I've ever had in fucking wrestling in all my years. And I've been wrestling for a while, but like I said, I was just all over the place. Like, I didn't hit my stride to, like, I hit up Joey and Mongo when we started training the guys in my house. Before that, I would just wrestle, and I didn't, I mean, I knew what I was doing, but it was just all over the place, you know? Like, I had wrestled at Pico Rare Sports Union in front of a bunch of people uh, a bunch of times for, like, Lucha shows over here. But when, but when, when I would go to a, PW uh, our show is like the most professional shit I've ever worked on. Like, in in my opinion, for for my era, other than him and like Pine Rock, mine too. So I felt like man, I felt I I was on a high that night. Like I felt really really happy. I like like Would I you was, just go over on. Like, it had to been Ollie and. And Derek, Justin, Derek? maybe, Derek's yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. And well, all yeah. those guys, fuck, man. Shout out to them. To yeah, shout out to all them guys, man. To La Migra in my era, which was Ali and and Justin Curley and uh, Gwen went by Derek Sanders. And Brian yeah, I'm a, Gage, I'm going, too. I'm going to go into fanboy mode real quick. How, what was it like being in the ring with Oliver John? Fuck, man. It was like Oliver love John, at first I, lo- sight. I love wrestling. It was love. <laughs> he was kisses and he smelled like bubble gum. And because I'll tell, I'll tell you so this. Warm like, and fuzzy. I, Gabe, knows, Gabe knows this. My all-time favorite wrestler of all time, period, period, is, is the enforcer, Arn Anderson. But when it comes to uh, uh, an, an independent level, and I don't even want to say that because I don't see him as an independent. I see him as a megastar that that never, you know, that that never got the chance. You know, Oliver John is like my second all-time favorite wrestler. So man, he would have you know, been fucking great. Oh, I know it. WWE man, like 
he was just there's just certain guys that never made it and I'm gonna say could have should have or whatever but if they've given the opportunity there would have been something and I was not like I don't even want I'm not even kissing his ass I just when I when I when I think about him in the matches that we had in tag matches and singles matches just just what he would say just what he would think just like uh, I'll give you an example. One time, me and him had a had a spot. We ran a spot together, a very simple spot. It was a six man, and we were like, uh, you know, and then Kafu and and someone else went in before us, and they did the exact same spot, the exact same spot we were gonna do. <laughs> and then I looked at Ali from across the ring, and he looked at me, and he just kind of winked at me, <laughs> and and I was like, well, fuck. I mean, but we knew we, we knew we were. I mean, we knew we were workers, so we could just change it. But they did the exact same spot to a T. I can't remember what it was. It was very basic, like tackle, drop on hip hop, leap frog, drop kick, arm drag, like some basic ass shit that'll get over. On how you do it, it was very basic. Yeah. But we just, we just, he called, he called a whole, a whole new spot in the ring. I want to feel that. I felt like I could do that with a younger guy. If that happened, I could go in there and call a new spot. But with Ali, I'd probably be like, "Oh fuck, what am I gonna do?" Just because it's him. Right. Yeah. But as soon as you were locked up, he's like, "Just do what I say." And we just, you know, did our thing, and we audible the totally different spot, and it was great. So he's just overall a good guy, a great wrestler, and I'm I'm hoping he's doing good outside of wrestling. Which he is. Oh. Well, if you guys are looking yeah. to buy a home, please visit yeah. Oliver on Facebook, and he, Oliver would take care oh. of you with any great home in the Sacramento area. Tell him that. Oh, that's, that's too far from. <laughs> if he was in the LA area or Orange County area, it'd be a little bit better, right? No, yeah. Shout, shout out to fucking. But seriously, I went to yeah, Ollie. I think one time at one of the fairs, shoot too, and we we're at the last match. And we finished like, oh, like five yeah. seconds to spare yes, or something like yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. They and when they hit three, the three count, the fair guy was standing next to me, and right when they counted three, he looked at his clock and he goes, I don't know how you guys do it. We literally finished yeah. on the freaking the hand clicked over to ninety minutes when they hit three. Yeah. And I, I, I wanna say like I feel like there was we wrestled so much and we all had I wouldn't say similar styles, but like the similar mind of how the the psychology of the match should be like we could go out there and 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 not call shit and just do everything in the ring and like we did that a lot to be quite honest and a lot of it always kind of worked just because we were all on the same page I guess if that makes any sense no Rico would. you said uh you know you 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 came to Revolution you worked with me and you had you know great experiences with with us and. You know, opportunities as tag champion and working with Oliver and higher talents and so on. Um, you did mention you had a tryout with WWE. Um, that tryout, how did that consist of, you know, did it have to do with the footage they seen or was it, you know, that someone got you the foot in the door? And where did that take you after that? Because obviously whenever you get a tryout with WWE, people think it's a great thing, but it can be very bad because sometimes people end up going there and going, holy shit, I can never do this. I don't have the body. I don't have the patience. I don't have this. And it, two things can happen. It motivates you. To kill it and do better, or motivate you to say "fuck right. it," I'll never be able to do this. I remember. Well, I think you got me that tryout, right? Oh uh, yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, you did. You Jesus, did. Jesus, jeez. 
And so how did yeah, it go? Tell I can't us. remember. We had a couple. No, yeah, it was. It was and yeah, uh, the people you got me in. So how did it go? I mean, talk to us. I mean, when you got there, how did that change? You know, your overall uh, perspective of of yourself because you went from a guy going to a training academy, uh, asylum per se. Um, didn't quite work out. You went into your backyard and it kind of blossomed into something cool with Santino. And then you're working with me and I'm sure you're work, um, you're working elsewhere, but you work with me uh, at a higher level as far as fans and, and, and opportunities and talent. Uh, and then you got your tryout. How did that motivate you after you were done? Obviously you didn't get signed, but where did that take you? Because not every tryout, it's a tryout to get signed. They just want to see no, what's no. out there. They want to see what's out there. Yeah. They want to keep their eyes open. If you fit into something. So how, how did that motivate you? Did it, did, did it, did it deflate you? Did it motivate no, you? No, it didn't deflate me at all. I can't, it opened my eyes even more because I, when I went, there was a bunch of us, like, it, I would say it was like the better guys from SoCal. I mean, in that era, there was, we, let me see. It was, uh, Sean Ricker was there. Myself, Ego the Trump. It, it was your boy Jose. My boy, uh, Jose. we got to get Jose on here, man. But only yeah, if, he, only, do good. only if Jose and Rico do it together, because I want to see them fight each other over and over, and that'd be great. That's the only reason I wanted to have them on together, because that'd be great. Yeah, he's, he's afraid of me. <laughs> he's in love with me. And that no, uh, who else was that? Joey Ryan, Scorpio Sky, Brandon Gatson, uh, Ryan Taylor. Uh, one of the NorCal guys is there, Christopherson, uh, Jody Christopherson. Yeah, Jody. I tell you what, though, out of that, out of that group you just mentioned, Brandon Gatson, uh, I think he was more than one of a very underrated guy, man. I think Fuck, he's so good, dude. I just guy, wrestled him like 30 minutes. Yeah, like, that before guy um, just, just didn't have the right opportunity to blossom out of EWF. Uh, but that guy was good, man. And Jesse did a hell of a job. And I, and why I think he's great and I didn't use him is because, like, I held – I tell people all the time, where do I put them? I'm a Lucha-based company, and I got Oliver. I got Brian Cage. I got Hijo the Trump. And where do I put them? I'm not going to take off the Border Patrol to put on this kid. You know what I mean? But uh, he is a talent. I don't know if he's still wrestling or not. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, bro. I hope he is. And if, if anyone, once this pandemic comes back, maybe it's me. You guys got to book you, someone like oh, him. You, you know what? You should bring him up. I just wrestled him the, the, the last – well, the weekend you, of, uh, are you willing to give up your spot so he can take yours? Yeah, you can take mine. <laughs> but then I have to give him a ride, so we both need a spot. Holy yeah, shit. but since you're going to drive him <laughs> up, you might as well gonna yeah. come up with him, right? <laughs> uh, we, we actually did like a 30-minute time limit draw like the last uh, the last uh, in February, not that long ago. So he's good, dude. He's like, I, I, I feel like he's, he could have been really good if given the opportunity. And to G... He thinks he's very psychologically he sounds, in tune yes. with, with, with the matches. He knows what's up, what to sell, how to do it. Maybe not here, maybe there. He knows exactly. He's good. He's really good. So you're there. But no, the WWE, the, like, what, what, it made me open my eyes even more. I had, I've been there before in like 2008, a long, long time ago, before then. And even that opened my eyes, but I was never able to get back in because I didn't know how to. Try to go back in over there. Like I had no connection. Then I didn't even know who to ask who to talk. But to. once you're there, I mean, if now this is your second time, what exactly were you, were you there just as an extra? Were they, did you get some ring we, time? Like we, we you, all had ring time, dude. Like, like you left. They, they hired tell Jody Christopherson that day. Yeah, yeah. So we we just we just pretty much said we were there to get looked at, and very. Uh, Willem Regal is like you know. 
I can't get you hired, but you can ask me anything and I can lead you in the right direction, who to talk to, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but you guys got to show what you can do. Just work. He's like, don't worry about anything. Just work. And I've always so heard, I've always we heard matches. William Regal does that. We had matches and... Who'd you yeah, work like, in your there match? There were a lot of us. Fuck, I don't remember. I think... Um, Kevin Martinson, one one of the oh okay, Johnny uh, yeah, Johnny Good Time yeah he would go by back then yeah, uh, but like I don't think you could have a bad match with any guys that were there that day really. I know Ripper opened my eyes that day too because we were doing like a, a, a ten man tag type thing. Uh-huh. We all had individual matches and then at one point we all just like a tagging anybody, right? And like uh, he had someone like in front headlock. Or no, they had him like in the front headlock, and someone backed up to me, like asked, you know, wanting to get like a back tag, you know? Yep. Can't remember who it was, and I kind of, I didn't see it, so it took me a while. And he's like, "Fucking tag in!" So I got, I tagged in, and then Ricker's like, "Shoot off reverse," took my head out, took my fucking head out with a fucking clothes on. He's like, "Pay the fucking attention." Atta boy. And then that was good. I didn't think I didn't. I honestly didn't think nothing of it. I was like, "Yes, sir," because we, you know, I just didn't know how how because uh, I don't know how I missed the tag. Like, I I don't know. I was if I just looked the other way for a quick second or whatever. We got to remember um, though, Ricker Ricker was already groomed. Yeah, you know, hell prior yeah. to that, Ricker had a long line of uh, WWE WWF. Uh, repertoire as far as training goes what they were looking for why that guy never got a full-fledged opportunity i don't know bro never, never politics understand. that that i do never believe is politics man I, you know when we had mm-hmm. him as hijo de trump i knew it wasn't last forever i knew it wasn't gonna last forever because i knew that guy was gonna go somewhere and when he was working for me in mexico with uh santos promotion todo por el todo uh, he actually got signed to wwe uh while he was in mexico and they were celebrating for him. He was well received. They wanted to make him like one of the main focal points um, in that promotion. Then he, you know, got signed. And then when he came back, I was like, "Dude, what are you doing back? Like, what the hell is it going? Like, I don't know if people maybe take his his um, his attitude. Well, and that's the wrong word. He doesn't have an attitude. Maybe just yeah, his personality. Never, he's a little dry. He's dry, but he's not disrespectful. He's very respectful and. You know, and sometimes maybe people take that the wrong way, but that guy has the look, the body, the promo skill. He's smart. He has acting skills. I mean, the guy just checks and, off all the boxes. He just might have checked someone's box the wrong way, I guess. Right? He seems like he would be the guy that you're looking for because when you say, like, he's got the look, there you can cut promos, the body, it's like he's got a body that's not, that that's like, a. I feel like, perfect for the business where it's not overly huge and not small it's like a 220 something pound guy that's really buff right does that make sense yeah he's cut yeah, man. he's really cut hey, that's cut that's cut as papa and i but he's cut no oh yeah he's oh, close not... he, hey keep rick keep, keep rick or keep working kid you'll, you'll get <laughs> you'll, you'll get, you'll get, get to my level no one so you no. got you left wwe you know with uh with a lot of knowledge behind you did that catapult you something new? Like the new opportunities yeah, it, come up? Or what, what happened it, def- it definitely did because they, they called me back. I went back a couple of, I went back a pretty good amount of times. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't meant for me, bro. Like, I don't know. Like I could have been maybe uh, more persistent. I don't know. Like, uh, 
but it, it motivated me to really want to be there. I'm not even gonna lie. Of course, it, because I watched wrestling since I was a little kid, so all I wanted to do was wrestle. Like that's all I want. And I always wanted to be a WWE guy. I don't like. I never wanted to be an independent darling. Is that what they call it? Nor I could have been because my skill is more of a old school. Like I can do a match with anybody and any way they want to do it. But I don't. No, I don't like to do twenty spots myself. Like if you want to do a bunch of spots. To get to your move, I'll do it to get to your move, but I don't need to do all them spots to get to my move. Does that make sense? <laughs> right, right. Oh, no, it does. But that's just me. That's why I can work everybody, I, I feel. Yeah. I got a question. I do have a question. And before before I do ask this question, I want to say, dude, I think maybe, dude, Rico, you're so, like, I feel like you'd be good for, for WWE television, even maybe on the NXT level. I just feel like it wasn't the right time because you look at now, there's so many Latinos doing it now. I know, you know bro. Hijo del Fantasma, you got Raul Mendoza, Humberto, you know, Angel Garza, and, and all these guys now are, are doing it, like, big on WWE television. It just probably just wasn't... At the time, it was a very different business. Wouldn't you say, Gabe, at the time? Uh, the, the, at that time versus now? The, the thing is that... Uh, the business is always evolving, and you got to learn yeah. how to evolve with the business. A perfect example: last night, uh, I watched. I was watching the AEW pay per view, and I saw yeah. Christopher Daniels on there. And Christopher Daniels is a perfect example of a person who has evolved with the business every step of the way. Every yeah. step of the way, from from you know when he was on the independent scene, he was nonstop working like Shotgun Saturday Night for WWF. Um, working with Taka Michinoku, he was a mainstay in Michinoku. He was Curry Man, um, but then he was doing UPW. Uh, you know, he's always been a guy who who has evolved and changed with the system. You know, and he went to ROH and then did ROH, and then he was here, then he was there. Now he's one of the main guys uh, doing stuff behind the scenes, and and now he's an AEW. He has evolved with the system, and that's what has to happen with wrestlers nowadays. If you, if you weren't available, you know, to be a rapper in the '90s, then you change to the new style that's next and see if that works. And same mm -hmm. thing with wrestling. You gotta reinvolve right. yourself. You gotta reinvent. To, to make it work and you never know it may hit and i'm not saying that's going to be the answer to everyone's uh opportunity but yeah right now if you're latino and you can work both lucha and the american side and you can speak spanish and english uh you know you're giving yourself a better opportunity to come in and work and help right. these guys you know you gotta also understand that there is a level of of eating humble pie i'm it's like hey i'm bringing you in to put this kid over. I want you to guide him. I want you to talk to him. I want you to da, 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 da but he's going over all good. You know what I mean? So sometimes people have to understand that, you know, not, not being the main event on WrestleMania um, is bad because just being on WrestleMania is great. So, you know what I mean? So it just comes down to how you want to have a perspective on situ on situations and making yeah. it work. And I still I, think, Rico, you have an opportunity. Everyone has an opportunity. Oh yeah. So yeah. Good. Everyone should have an opportunity. I haven't really, tried i would say for a long time to be on then there there's your answer no yeah yeah definitely <laughs> I, I haven't no yeah yeah I, i'll admit it like that's just it when i went i think the last time i went was like in 2013 and then i had turned 30 not none of the age matters it's only been seven years yeah right and so i never really i felt like i tried for all these years and i was just just kind of life got to me too you know, a little money issue and just a little depression with yourself. Not like, I don't want to kill myself, but just kind of you bring yourself down sometimes. And Mental like, health. Don't, no, absolutely. Some, 
sometimes things just don't go your way and other shit kind of gets messed up. So it is what it is. So I feel like, uh, and it took me a long time to bounce back up financially in my own personal life. So I felt like that played a big part into absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I just couldn't. Sometimes you want to do shit, but you had to be a father first, bro. Same. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, that's, family, that's, yep. that's the thing. You have to be family a father first. first, and that's the thing that. Um, people don't understand about the independent scene is like, oh, what happened to that guy? I don't know. He had a child and he had two kids and, you know, uh, and he had to take care of that first. And sometimes, you know, I've always been saying this forever um, since I can remember, sometimes life gets in the way of wrestling. And yeah. and it's things that we can't control. And you did a good job uh, to make a, a, a very happy girl, which, by the way, did not say one word to me when I last saw her. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, she, she wouldn't. Man, yeah, what? She don't like to. She doesn't talk. She don't even talk to me. <laughs> she wouldn't. She wouldn't share her hot Cheetos with me. And I was like, "Hey, you gonna share those?" They just shook her head. She doesn't and talk like, to nobody, dude. <laughs> she just sits there with her little headphones on. And I'm like, "What are you even listening to?" You know. But you know, R Rico was with me for a minute, and then the part that we haven't spoken about is how. And this is what I. How this Rico, is my question. How Rico was later removed. Oh, this was my, and yep, you know what? Was, that was around the time where a lot of stuff was going not too good for me, to be quite honest. Well, this, well you remember because I was like, hell question, yeah, I'll guys. do that gig. Yeah, this, this was my question, guys. This is what I was trying to get to. You know, you 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 had your run with, with Kafu, tag team champions, and, you know, everything seemed to be going well. When I came, you weren't there. And, you know, at some point, I mean, there's a reason for that, right? At some point, you start to wonder, okay, you know, this guy's coming back. Why did you leave? To begin with, so talk talk about that. What what was the situation behind, you know, you not doing business with Revolution? He stole from anymore. me. Just get it out of the way. He stole from me. Uh. <laughs> I stole his heart. <laughs> now let's take a pause for the cause for a spell because part one of the Rico Dinamita interview was in the books. Man, we had a great time, a lot of good conversation, a lot of great stories and experiences. We hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week where Rico Dinamita comes back. He pulls back up to the podcast for part two of the interview where we finish the discussion and have more of an overall good time. I cannot wait for y'all to hear that. Well, that's all the time we got for this week. We'd like to thank you for listening, and we know you're listening from somewhere. So get on social media and let us know what podcast platform you're using to listen to every single episode of Straight Out of the Bodega. Is it Spreaker? Is it Spotify? Is it Apple Podcasts, iTunes? Is it iHeartRadio? Is it a podcast platform we ain't even mentioned yet? Let us know. Get on social media. We're curious to hear from you. Also, let us know how we're doing. We don't do this for us. We do this for you. We want to make sure we're giving you the best possible podcast experience that you can get. And we're not going to know if we are or not unless you let us know. So let us know how we're doing. Are we doing good? Are we doing bad? Who do you want to hear on future episodes? Talk to us. We talk back. We're curious and want to know what you think. Also, check us out on social media. That's Straight Out of the Bodega on Instagram, Straight Out of the Bodega on Facebook, and on Twitter, it's at S-T-R-8-O-U-T-D-A-B-O-D-E-G-A. Give us a follow. We need we need followers, you know what I'm saying? Also, check me out on social media. That's Popo Esco on Instagram, Popo Esco on Facebook, Popo underscore Esco on Twitter. 
On behalf of the podcast, I am your master of ceremonies, the King Fat Boy Papa Wesco, and we'll see y'all next week, man. We out. Lucha-Masks.com, in partnership with Mass Republic, give you personal protective masks to keep you Lucha strong in the fight versus COVID-19. With world-class luchadors Blue Demon Jr., the Lucha Brothers, L.A. Park, Ultimo Dragon, Kane Velasquez, Conan, and so much more. Head to lucha-masks.com and you too can become a masked warrior. Lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution.